Hey everybody, this is Libby with Fearlessness. What is fearlessness? Fearlessness is the underlying grit that empowers us to forge ahead as entrepreneurs, even when hope seems distant. It's the courage to walk through the fires of hell, knowing that we'll come out stronger and smarter on the other side. Stay tuned and learn how to get fearlessness. I'm your host today, Libby DeLucian, and we have an amazing guest, Drew. Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Drew Larison. I am the CEO and founder of Larison Media and Green Grow Media. Um, we're marketing agencies that really exist to partner with small businesses to help them increase their impact internally, locally, and beyond, because we truly believe that small businesses have the power to change the world. So we are a full scope digital agency. Um, Larison Media really is a generalist agency that helps small businesses in general. And then Green Grow Media is an agency that specializes in the lawn and landscaping, those green industry worlds as well. So um, yeah, we do anything from website design and development to social media management to Google services. Um, anything we really think in the year that we're living, which is now 2024, I've only written 2023 on accident a few times, um, and 2024 <laughs> is that would really help you increase your impact that your, your small business is happening. Yeah, awesome. And Drew, um, just to be transparent, does do my marketing for my service company. And um, they have been phenomenal. Shout out to my account manager, Reese. Um, Shout out, Reese. And communication and just getting us results. Um, and just open and honest transparency and communication as far as like what, what they can do, what I need to do for them. And I, I it's been great. Um, but Drew, let's talk about when, how did we meet? I believe we met officially. Um, we've probably been in the same circles for a while now, like online. But I think we officially met at the huge conference in Nashville huge last conference. summer. That's right. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to think, like, when did we meet? Yeah, it seems like yes. we've known each other huge for conference. decades. But it was, uh, it does. yeah, the huge conference last year. Yes, awesome. So, Drew, um, you know, I do know a little bit about you. And I want to share... I want people to hear about your background. Like how has entrepreneurism come to you? Were you born this way? Did you grow up yeah. this way? Did you learn it? A little bit of all of those, I think actually. Uh, so technically I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur on my father's side. So my great, great grandfather was a farmer and owned his own farm. Um, and then my grandfather started a steel manufacturing business here in Kokomo, Indiana called Hoosier Spline Brooch. No, they didn't make like the jewelry brooches, even though that's yeah. most of the people I grew up in high school <laughs> thought my dad like made jewelry. So, and then it's like my Dunder dad Mifflin. Up, you think they like make car parts. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, they, it was like a very precision steel manufacturing business. And then my dad ended up taking that over when grandpa retired with finger quotes because my grandpa really didn't really ever retire until the day he passed away. Um, and then now I own uh, my own businesses as well. So it it's, I like how you asked that question. Were you like, you born into it? Yes. Um, you know, is it in your DNA? Yes. Did you learn it? Also? Yes. You know, like I, I think it helps and increases the odds, which both of my wife and I both work in the business together. And, um, so we always say like our kids are screwed in a way. Cause like both parents are now entrepreneurs, like working in the business and the odds are they are probably also going to pick up that entrepreneurial 
bug. Um, so good luck, kids. I helped you pick a rough road, which sometimes is great. Sometimes it's rough. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely grew up in a house where dinner conversations were what happened at the shop today. Um, what's going on with so-and-so employee, what's going on with so-and-so customer, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, all those conversations that was like normal. What I heard, it wasn't just, you know, how was math class today? Or I think a lot of people when you grow up in a home that isn't entrepreneurial or doesn't own their own businesses, honestly, a lot of time you probably hear just, uh, stories of your parents complaining about their bosses, you know? So I, I heard like the, the opposite of that. I heard the boss's side of things. I heard like the, the struggle of the leadership of running the business. I heard those stories growing up. So I always say, um, it wasn't like an encouragement growing up in a small business owner home to become an, an entrepreneur. It was kind of just like the option. It was just like what was going to happen because that's kind of all I knew. That was all the conversation I heard growing up. So um, I think you were in a similar situation too. So it's, uh, it was that, that's definitely what I grew up with. I definitely went through college a little bit and struggled and I was never like a school student I'm definitely a student of the world. I'm a student of like learning with getting my hands dirty type of uh, student, but I never really like excelled in school. And luckily I got offered a job outside of school before I finished that was in the world I wanted to go in, which was an agency world. And I was an employee at an agency for three years, kind of really saw how the sausage was made, um, how to grow an agency. I was the third employee hired at that agency. And by the time I left three, three and a half years later, there were close to 20 of us. So I definitely saw that growth path and like how it was done and all the tips and tricks of the trade. Um, but yeah, and then I thought I had learned enough and there was an opportunity to leave and um, I left. So that was Larissa Media. We'll, we will be nine years old in June. So that was roughly like a decade ago, which is wild to awesome. think about. Yeah. Did your parents let you work in the family business? Great question. Um, yes and no. I definitely, there was no nepotism involved uh, in any way because Joel and I, my brother and I, we got stuck with the jobs that nobody else wanted to do, um, which ironically enough is what also my grandfather did for my dad. Um, so my dad's first job in the business when he was a kid was like coming in after everybody goes home, sweeping the floors, cleaning the machines, like all that dirty grunt work. Like, like I said, zero nepotism other than like, you got the opportunity to be the guy who swept the floors. Um, same for us. Like we would mow the yard at the shop and like half the time get paid for it. Maybe. Um, I think remember yeah. one summer child labor, had, man. Exactly. hundred yeah, percent. I think there was this one summer, the front of the office or the shop needed painted. So I have like these terrifying memories. They had like a forklift that they used in the shop. And of course I was the younger sibling. So I was the one who got volunteered to stand up on the forklift and paint the really high areas while I just had to trust my brother with my life. It's, it's a wonder I'm still alive after that. But like, so yes, we were involved in the business a little bit, but not like in deep of it. And you know, the older my brother and I both got, we started asking those questions, right? Like, Hey, you took over for grandpa. Is there a world that like one of us will take over? And, um, honestly the response to this answer or the response to this question is one of the best things my dad did as a parent. Um, was he always responded with, no, you'll do something better. It was all, always his response. 
you know, and that wasn't like, a, and I knew this, like, that wasn't like a, no, you're not allowed to, but like, it was also this moment of just like, you know, I'm your dad. If you ever really want to take over the business, it's yours. Let's work through that. But it was also like this moment of encouragement is like, I also don't want you to think I don't, you know, I wouldn't want you to let you do your own thing. Right. It was like this underlining messaging. It's just so good. And I've actually started using that line on my kids now. Um, you know, if my son asks, I need to use you know, that line. It's so good, right? Because it it's it's got triple meaning to it. Um, and it's it's this freedom that you don't because a lot of people a lot of entrepreneurial kids feel that. They're like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get stuck with the family business, whether I want it or not. Um, and family businesses is hard too. You know, I was talking about like those conversations I would hear at the dinner table. A lot of those were like my dad fighting with my grandpa, arguing, you know, and I think um, hindsight, my dad and grandfather easily would have had a better relationship if they didn't work together. There was a lot of headbutting. They were both like beautifully Larison stubborn, um, you know, and it's a lot of came from that. So I think there was a part of that answer he would give that really like served to that as well. He's like, I never want you to think it's my expectation. It's I, of course, my children can be involved if they want to be. But also, I think highly of you enough as my kid, you can do something better. You know, so that that was always my dad's response. He's like, now nah, you'll do something better. And I don't know if I'm doing something better, but I definitely am doing something on my own. I don't think digital marketing and like precision steel manufacturing have anything in common. Um, but, you know, so it's it's been a cool path. And now I'm like starting that cycle over again with my kids. So it's I, they're eight and ten. So they're definitely getting to that age where they're starting to ask more specific questions. And um, I had a pretty good roadmap to how to answer those questions. You know, that's that's a great I love your dad's response. Austin, one time, my he's 15 now, um, asked me, this was probably about three or four years ago in the car. He said, um, hey, mom, who gets the businesses when you die? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, why? He's like, well, because I think I want them. And I said, well, it doesn't work that way. Sure doesn't. So um, I love that response. And I think that this is, a, you know, a topic that a lot of people get confused on and not, it's not really talked about. Um, and I think there's a couple topics here. One is working with your spouse as an entrepreneur and bringing that spouse into the business. Me and Chris just did a podcast. Um, it was yeah, the one we kicked off at the it. beginning yeah. of the year living with a monster. And it was me was the monster. Everyone thought it was going to be Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, how do you live with that person? But then the other side of that too, is raising kids in an entrepreneur family, like with, is is a topic that is actually yeah. very rarely talked about. And I love this topic because, you know, they see us work all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, they see us struggle. They see us fail. Um, I'm sure my kids have seen me lose my shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, not on employees, but on myself, like made mistakes. Sure. Or just <laughs> You're situations appreciate this. in general. I thought I, yeah. I thought I could run Google AdWords by myself in my early days. And I, I spent like $1,800 overnight and got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. I will say you're not the only person who's done that. If that adds, provides any comfort for you. I've heard that story many times. Yeah. Yeah. Daily budget. Um, one of the more, you know, you know, most important things you can set when setting any sort of paid ad campaign. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they've seen their mom like not be able to make payroll when she started to like, you know, have say, guess what guys we're having 
you know, we're not going out to dinner because I can't afford it to, you know, now my son thinks I'm pretentious and snobby because I hired a house helper <laughs> mm. and she, she cooks for us now. She takes care of Yaya. Uh, she takes care of the house. Um, she does shopping and Austin's kind of like, well, I want one too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and they see you go through those things, but you know, from a kid's perspective, I feel like it's a really interesting journey to watch your parents or family because I come from an entrepreneur family as well. And so I'm going to say, you know, I seen my family not, you know, not really, they're old school. I'm just going to give it, they were old school. They did not treat employees that great. Mm. And it was a learning lesson for me. Um, and I think that's what drives me as an entrepreneur. You come from the other side of that though, where you, you had mentioned you saw your family, your dad really know how to treat their employees. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a lot of things I was, am so lucky to be witness to. And honestly, there, there were stories too. I won't like say the specifics of them because they're probably private to the people that told me. Um, there were stories I heard at like my grandfather's funeral that I had no clue um, of like, you know, random acts of kindness that he did for his employees that had worked for him. And, um, it just, what a cool thing to hear in that setting. You know, a lot of times at funeral, it's, it's mainly like, sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. Sorry. And like, it's that, but with my father passing away and my grandfather, most of the things I heard were these stories that I had no clue about. And they were all just like, oh, your dad did this for me. And when I, when my back was against the wall, your dad was, your mom and dad were there for me and, um, did this or like your grandfather, um, he did this for me. And I'll say this, like, so oh, one of the stories it's, it's fine. But like, uh, one of grandpa's earlier employees that has now been at the business, I think still is at that business. So close to like a 30 to 40 year employee, like one of those people, right. Wow. Um, grandpa, well, we wouldn't gave give him, to have somebody like, I that. know. Right. Um, when he was young and starting out the employee, he could not qualify for a bank loan and um, for a home, like a mortgage. And it turns out, I guess my grandfather took on a mortgage himself and the employee slowly paid him back with no interest over years. Like mind blowing thing. Right. Um, and I had no idea. I had no idea that happened. Um, obviously, it's not something grandpa just walked around bragging about. Um, or he said, oh, did you hear this, what I did? And never. And like those stories popped up at the funeral. And like, dear me, what a cool thing to hear in that setting. You know, because people aren't just showing up to this funeral because of the normal, like, I'm going to show remorse and like guilt, you know, or, you know, if I don't show up. It's because like they truly loved these people and like these people did a lot for them from a friend situation as well as a boss situation. Um, it was a cool thing. It was a really cool thing. That's an awesome story. And it's so interesting to hear that because, you know, we hear a lot of advice now as a business owner, like don't get involved. Don't mm. know your employees on a personal level, you know, don't loan them money. Um, but obviously your grandfather saw something in him yeah. in this employee that others maybe didn't see. He saw something special. And so he wanted to yeah. invest in that. 100%. And like I said, I think that was one of the first ever employees for that business. So grandpa was really like, maybe looking as like, I need to invest in good people if we're going to make this thing work. And he must have found them. And the guys, like I said, probably, is, I think is still working there. Um, so 
it's wild. I think the debt's paid off by now, but like, um, you know, I Hopefully. think the guy's still working. There. Hopefully, yeah. um, you know, on this topic with like, you know, something that you you didn't even know, like it was amazing. You know, now that your kids are young, and they maybe they want to be an entrepreneur, but what what advice would you give the child version of yourself, or even the advice you'd give That's your really kid? of like a lesson that you've learned that you would have done sooner. Yeah. I don't know. I always say, you know, cause the first few years of business for everybody are probably the harder ones. Right. And I remember, um, we were starting to grow. I think I had like two employees at that point and like really starting to grow, but it was hard growth as well. Cause I was figuring out everything. Um, growth should get easier because you build processes and systems along the way that, you know, make it automated in certain ways. But the first few years of growth are really hard. And I just remember having the thought like, man, thank God I love what I do. Like, thank God I love marketing. I love the people side of marketing. I love the technology side of marketing. I love what marketing can do for businesses. I can't imagine going through this stress, going through this um, financial stress, mental stress, uh, family stress, and then just like having to go back every day to a job that I actually just wasn't interested in. I can't imagine that. So I get that's, that's advice I give to people. Like make sure really what you're about to sacrifice and give and invest in is something that you just actually have a genuine interest in. You know, now I, mean, I can't say every day I wake up so pumped about marketing because marketing can be frustrating, right? But at the same time, like if more days you're excited at least about the context of what you do um, than not, that's such a win. You know, like I can't imagine owning a business that I just didn't have like some sort of love or passion for what the service side of it was because it, it's hard. It's so hard yeah. to even, even if you love it, even if you love marketing or whatever your business is, it's still really hard. But if you don't have a, like an actual genuine love or passion for what you're doing, it makes it so much harder. So it's find something that you love doing, maybe something that you've been an employee for in the past that you loved being in, in an employee for, because that's a good sign probably. Like if you're an entrepreneurial minded human being, but like you still love being an employee because you love the work that's a good avenue to go down. You know, I love that. And I love the, the, the hard, right. It's hard at the beginning. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I I'm working, um, I'm coaching somebody and he's, he's funny, he's young. Um, and he's like, man, this is hard. <laughs> he's just starting. Um, not just starting, but has ha had a landscape business for a little bit, but you know, I think that it has to be hard because it has to condition us that as mm -hmm. the risks get bigger, We've conditioned that hard, but it also has to be hard because one, we, as we grow, we become more and more responsible for people's livelihoods, for our customers' quality of service. Um, and so it has to be hard also to separate the successful from the non-successful. We mm -hmm. can't all be 10 millionaires or not 10, but billionaires. Yeah. We can't all. And I think it's also nature it's the natural way of of that's why we hear that like 98 what is it 98 97% of small businesses don't make it past the 5th year. Yeah. Well, and, that goes back to you know, what sorry, go ahead, you finish. No, I was just going to say that it it's something to look at um as an entrepreneur, am I willing to do the hard? Yeah. Because 
if I'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it through this threshold. Everyone thinks there's an easy button and it's not, it sucks yeah. sometimes. And it's really hard. Um, we just, sometimes some people just make it look easy. Well, I mean, the idea of being an entrepreneur and a business owner, the same way I feel like a chef, like, uh, like a world and like due to like the Gordon Ramsay's of the world or like those celebrity chefs in the last like 15, 10, 15 years, like it's been glamorized. Right. But like, if you ever really want to see what it's like to be a chef, just peek your head into any kitchen on a Friday night at a busy, busy restaurant. Like it's the definition of organized chaos, right? It's hard. Like you have burns all over your hands. Your feet are so sore from running around. Your head is probably pounding because you haven't drank water in so long. Like it's really difficult. And I feel like the idea of an entrepreneur has also gone down that path where it's just glamorized. The irony is a lot of people that glamorize being an entrepreneur are not successful entrepreneurs at all. Actually, like they're the people that just like will pose in front of a private jet and tell you that it's the entrepreneur life. It's not their private jet. Like, you know, I mean, they're probably working at the airport, Um, you know, but it's it also just reminds me of the one of a really good phrase that is such a good like if you're in a spot in your life where you're just maturing in general. But I love the phrase choose your heart choose your heart. It gets used a lot in like the, uh, workout industry or like, you know, you're trying to get more fit, trying to get healthier. You can choose your heart. You can either start working out and eating right at a younger age, which is hard because working out is difficult, right? It takes discipline. It's like you literally, you're sore all the time. Like working out is difficult or you could ignore all that. And when you're older, you're going to have a lot of health problems. And like, that's going to be really hard. You're going to be on tons of medication, things like that. Um, but I mean, that's, it's so true. What you're describing is like, choose your heart, either work really, really yeah. hard and go through those things, get those burns on your hands, right? Have those sore feet. Um, like the, like I was talking about with the chef in those first years of your business. Um, now do that now. So you can, you know, have that more freedom of a life later. Um, or, you know, just don't do that. And then you're bankrupt. You know what I mean? Like there's hard on either route. You just got to choose which hard yeah. you want to, which hard route you want to go down. You know, in, in recruiting, cause with we recruit, we do recruiting and people are always like, Oh, you know, it's a balancing game. I'm either understaffed or overstaffed. If you're understaffed, you're turning away money. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If, yeah, if you're understaffed, if you're turning away money, if you're overstaffed, it's putting pressure on you as a business owner to grow, yeah. right? Both are hard. I said, you know, you're just going to have to choose your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a choice that, you know, people think that there's an easy button. I get this question all the time. And I just like, I worked all, literally, I worked all weekend this weekend to create a new onboarding for new customers because I realized we weren't activating as fast as we could. Mm getting them to the point of activation. So yeah, I worked all weekend. Was that fun? No. <laughs> um, and it was just something that I needed to do. And, and I think that over the years I've, I've learned, especially like on social media, I think makes it, you know, we get those pictures oh, yeah. of, like you said, people in jet, Nothing's next real. to the jet on the jet. <laughs> yeah. Um, instead I've gone the route of sharing my, my failures and sharing like what I've learned instead of just always glamorizing everything. Yeah. No, it, nothing's real on the internet. And another one of my favorite, I feel like I'm going to be just sound like a cheesy box of quotes, but I love the whole comparison is the thief of joy. 
Like I, I love that quote and that expression because it's so true in the world that we're in. Um, you know, yeah. and unfortunately we live in a world where most of the time, the first thing we do when we wake up is we grab our phone and start comparing our lives to everybody else's that we're seeing on social media. Um, but especially in that entrepreneurial world, you know, maybe that would be my advice would be, um, to someone starting out or starting a business, do your absolute best to not pay attention to anyone else for like, as like the first two to three years, like hunker down in your own world and like really just worry about you and your thing and don't spend time comparing yourself to others that are trying to do the same thing. Cause that is so, Drew, such you're gonna laugh at me. a trap. You're going to laugh at me. Um, so I have this uh, habit and I haven't really shared it out loud very much, but I block my distractions. I block my competitors from my profile it. and I want to explain why I block them. I block them not because I don't want them to see what I'm doing. I block them because I don't want to see what they're doing because it is a distraction. And I get yeah. in my own head and I get in my own way. And then I get all upset or huffy, not with them, with myself. Um, so I, I saw the speaker speak on stage about like blocking your distractions, like know what those are. What are those procrastinators, those time suckers? Mm -hmm. And so like literally I blocked my competitors. That's <laughs> um, smart. And even though, yes, we might need to see them, but I'm not doing that. Like someone on marketing is going to look kind sure. of doing, what are they doing? But if I saw it, I get in myself, in my head. Yeah. Because um, comparison kind of is the thief of joy. Yeah. It's such a true yeah. statement. So if I've blocked you, it's not because I'm mad at you. <laughs> it's because you're <laughs> a distraction and I don't want to see it. <laughs> um, so I want to, um, you know, continue on that joy, right? So Drew, how do you define, what is, what is success to you? Like, it's a great how question. Do you, what is that measure? Like, how do you measure success? And has it changed over the years? Yeah. And I think if you're, I think if your definition of success hasn't changed over a year span, something's not right. Um, you know, in your growth of a, a leader or a business owner or any of those categories of people or human, I guess, in general, I don't care if you're a leader or not, like your definition of what success is should definitely be changed. The more you mature through life. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you start off, you're scrappy as probably ever and you're trying to make as much money as you possibly can because that's what the world has told you that success is is that it's a hundred percent financial and then nothing else matters they might not just say it's through a paycheck but like the trips you can take the cars you can buy the houses you can buy all of that equals financial success so when you start out like that's that's it right? Like I'm going to show my previous boss that I can make more money on my own than what he was paying me or she was paying me my last job, you know? Um, but then, you know, it grows into more of that. It grows into just general, just happiness is such a powerful thing that I think we have forgotten about as sad as that sounds. But like, I think we forgot about like what happiness really is and what it means and what it really feels like to be happy and like content with life. Um, but I know success is being able to spend time with my kids, spend time with my wife, um, go on like little trip. We love to travel together. If there's one thing we're like bougie about, we love traveling and like showing the, our kids the world 
That's what we love to do a lot. Right now, I'm it's a lot of Disney about World. My Marriott Hotel. There you go. Yeah, you are a Marriott person. Yeah. Like right now, it's a lot of Disney World just because the age of my kids. But like, I love going off and experiencing different things with my kids and my family. Um, but success is deeper than just um, my family to me, I think, too. Um, success is the the people that work every day to help make me more successful success is the the happiness of my staff um the security of my staff um the fulfillment and like the joy my staff feels doing what they get to do for a living um my you know happiness and success comes from them genuinely feeling and trusting that i'm taking this thing in the right direction um that's a layer of success to me that when you first start off, you don't have because you don't have a staff when you first start off. So there's, yeah. there's no one even to lead or to trust you with anything. So there, there's certain things like that, um, that I would define as successful. And I, I know I've, I've told you this story before, but like ultimate life success inside of business was shown to me in a really cool way. Um, uh, if I never go to another like leadership conference, never read another book or never really like learn anything else about other leaders of the world, it was once not to be dark, but like it was shown to me at like my dad's funeral. And, you know, when you, my dad passed away almost uh, a few months before we started the business and, um, the, you, the funeral conversation was happening. And like, one of the things that people always ask about is the idea of pallbearers, right? Like who's going to carry the casket. That's a part of the organization, the funeral. And somehow it got brought up that my dad's staff at the shop, they weren't asking if they could carry his casket. They were telling us they want to carry his casket. And out of sign of respect of like what he did for them as their boss, a sign of respect of what he did for them as their leader um, and all the things that he helped provide for them throughout their life. And I'm like, that's it. If I can leave this world in a place where I was able to give back to enough people that gave to me during the time I was here that they demand to carry my casket, I'm good, folks. That's it. I don't, I don't care about how, what number was on my bank account. I don't care about, um, you know, how big or how fast my company grew on the NASDAQ or whatever it could like, that's it. Like that's what would matter to me most. And that would be like the ultimate sign of success is like that people, how people feel about me at my funeral. That's it. So like that is so powerful as far as like success. I don't measure it by money either. Do I like money? Yes, because we need money to accomplish certain things, right? To give better benefits, to give better things, to, sure. to purchase things for the business. but. You know, I think that, and this was, this was a, a probably a while ago when your dad passed away. Well, you said right before you started, so nine years. Yes. Yeah, nine years. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and with that being said, like, there's this whole shift in what people want. It's, it happened with COVID, right? With the kind of how we uh, look at our time freedom now, and how it could just go away, and mm. also, you know, what's important to people and. The fact that like your dad do, did that before it was cool <laughs> and trendy <laughs> um, is just speaks to the kind of leader he was. But I mean, all the you business owners listening to this, I mean, 
imagine that your employees cared so much that they wanted to do that for you if some if you passed away like that's the ultimate marker of you made a difference in someone's life and in the world that's it um yeah because like that funeral that's your last shebang right like that is your last event as you know an entity on this earth and how people feel about you how people talk about you the emotions they feel when they walk into the room that is the ultimate kpi <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. that is the life kpi it is the ultimate kpi <laughs> it is it is and and it's so hard to hear people you know um with saying you know oh i just pay them they should just show up i think as humans you know we are naturally gatherers heard heard people that's why mm -hmm. we like masterminds that's why we like industry groups uh that's why we like friends and to give that to your employees you're filling a bucket that they need in their life give them a sense of purpose and belonging to an organization is great especially if that organization is also involved in a greater purpose right like mm -hmm. helping the community and donate and donating and, and sponsoring nonprofits. But I think gone are the days, and they've been gone, but COVID just showed this, this. I can't just pay someone to come and do a job and expect them to show up every day on time if I'm not filling the bucket inside of them. The money's not going to fill it. 100%. Um, and I think there's this myth that has been told for generations and decades that you can't be business successful and then also human successful right? Like you, you have to be that tough guy. You have to be that Rockefeller that was always known as like this tough human being. And that's why he was successful in business. There's this myth that, that you can't have both. And it's just not true. There's an, there's been enough examples of people in the world that did both. Um, yeah. and were successful in both sides of that spectrum. So let's just get rid of that myth. You know, and like, let's not at the same time, it's I think it's important because you can go down a really dangerous road too, as maybe an HR or a business owner. And um, I think giving with expectations and return is a really dangerous place. It almost never works out. It, it, that is something that almost never works out the way you think it's going to, um, especially if those expectations are um, talked about beforehand, which really doesn't make it a gift at all. Um, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you this X benefit inside the company, but I need you to be here for 10 years. And I can, I only can have you take four, four six days. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't exist. The person will no longer want the gift. Um, but I think we get into this world where we only give with an expect, we treat our relationship with our employees a lot the same way we would treat a contract situation with a customer. Different worlds, they're different, you know, different agreements. Um, but I, I want to work on getting rid of that myth that both of those things can exist, and they can, you know. So it's, it's, it's a thing. I think it's it is a thing, and I do think that it's not going to come easy. Like if you're listening to this and like it's something that you want to pursue or learn, I think it's, it's learned. We, as our businesses grow, we're forced to grow as people. And then I think that learning the balance of having per professional success and personal success is learned. Mm -hmm. um, I've been on this journey of like self discovery, understanding myself, 
because ultimately it helps me be a, be a better leader and manager to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just been, and, and, you know, admitting those mistakes and faults or, or even when you don't know something, like I'm the biggest advocate now when my employee, one of the employees asks me something, they ask me, how do you, I have great question. I don't know. I have no Let's clue how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you would help me figure this out, God, I'd be so grateful. Yeah. Um, and then that empowers them and you, you're then handing trust to them and it's such an empowering moment. But I just think it's, it's a learned skill to balance that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is to me, one of the markers of success. We're going to call that the ultimate KPI. I love it. I love uh, it. Drew. So, you know, in all of this, like the learning, the struggle, how do you stay motivated? What motivates you and your wife? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. There's always that conversation. Is it, are you a determined human being or are you a motivated human being? Um, or, and are those things oh, different That's a great to question. You? Yeah. There's a difference between motivation and determination. And, um, I don't know. Well, I think I've heard that motivation is temporary. Determination is permanent or yes. until it's done, I guess, until like what you're determined to do gets done. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think this is, it's kind of just, DNA of mine of sorts. Um, one of our core values here is, um, uh, oh shoot, which one is it? Do you edit this at all? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. What is it? Is better? Um, initiative ownership better. Oh, come dummy. Hold on. One of our core values here is confidence and all of our core values are like a word with like a, a sentence underneath of it. And, and it basically says like, we will do the things that other people say we can't do. Um, and like, that's kind of been my life and it's weird. Um, I've always like naturally chosen positions and things I was in that was kind of like the underdog or the one who like, isn't yeah. always fully noticed up front. Like in a band, I, I I'm a musician and I was a drummer. So like the drummer, like you're in a band, takes, you're a drummer. I was, I'm a drummer. Yeah. I grew up playing drums and my the husband. band, the drummer is always like in the very back of the stage. Right. Um, and when, like I played football growing up, I was always like a defense or offensive lineman. And like, they are the unsung heroes of football. Like watch a quarterback do what the, he needs to do. If there is no defense or offense, you know what I mean? Like, and I've always chosen like kind of these underdog, uh, positions in my life. And I've always told my staff, and this is something we talk about in onboarding. Um, I don't really care if Larissa media or green grow media grows to be like the number one agency in the country. We have the most clients, the highest success rates. Um, our clients are the biggest, uh, in their industry, things like that. I want us to always have this attitude of underdogs. I think it's such a great thing to do with your team is kind of like have this invisible enemy, you know, like they don't want us to win. Well, not to speak like DJ Khaled, they too say much, that but like, you know, they say that nothing unites a team like a common enemy. It's true. You know, and like, I never say in those meetings or that onboarding, like, this is who it is. I always just use the pronoun they. Like, I want us, no matter who they are, I want us to do things that they say we can't do, you know? And like, um, that motivates me just like, you know, cause definitely starting a, 
digital marketing company in Kokomo, Indiana, nearly a decade ago, no one thought this would work. You know, like it's a fairly small town in Indiana. No one thought this would be a success. No one thought we'd last more than a year. Oh, that Larison kid, he's trying to start something, you know, and um, back uh, around a decade ago, our biggest competitors locally were still like newspapers and radio because, you know, we were competing for advertising dollars. And I've heard many times in my life from people that work in newspaper, don't threaten people who buy ink by the barrel, you know? So like, I've got those in the back of my head and those don't really exist much later, a decade later. But um, I want us to always be like, we're the underdog, no matter how big we are. We, we want to do some wild and crazy things. And a lot of people don't think we're going to be capable of doing them, but we're going to do them, you know, and that, that's what motivates me. So that so resonates with me because especially with Woot Recruit, I've had a few offers to mm. buy, like to buy me out. Yeah. Um, and I've had a few meetings with some very, very influential heavy hitters um, within our industry. And it's funny because it's typically a man that approaches mm -hmm. me and is in this meeting and um, they are you know, once I tell them, you know, I'm not interested or whatever, you know, they, they're the, re the responses I get are like, well, that's fine. We're going to do it with or without you. Yeah. I'm like, thanks. Like we could have been friends. We could have yeah. partnered. I could have referred people to you, but like, you want to say that. And, you know, sometimes it gets, I get in my head. Cause you know, I'm like, I'm this, I'm just this girl. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. It's yeah. all these, again, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm competing against some of these owners, primarily men most of the time. And, um, but it also motivates me to say, I'm the underdog. I'm going to do some crazy stuff <laughs> and, um, I'm going to innovate faster than any of them can. Cause if there's one thing I know I can do is I can out hustle them. Mm. Um, and so I, I totally get that underdog feeling cause I get it sometimes yeah. and it's my motivating factor as well so it's just it's where That's i prefer great. to be you know and like i think like things like i said like those certain positions i've chose throughout my life um i'm a big like i love michigan university of michigan football like i love michigan football which it's been a great year for us but at the same time like michigan as a university even is never and never has been a school just full of five stars you know what I mean? Like it will never have like the best recruits in college football. Michigan will never be that team. But what has always been, um, and this goes back to what you were saying, like I've heard our coach say this, I've heard this for decades inside of Michigan football. They might be faster. They might be smarter. They might have more money. They might have a bigger program, but they're not going to outwork us. And like, that is why yep. Michigan will continue to win is that we're going to work harder than anybody else. And like, I just, that lights me up, man. I love it. You know? And I think it's such a fun attitude and mindset to have, um, is that like, Hey, people are counting us out. Let's go win this thing. You know? Cause like how good it's going to, it has to feel so much better winning as an underdog rather than like, if you were just the number one favorite to win it all. It has to feel so much better. So like, that's what I'm running for. I want that feeling of people not thinking we're going to win and then we do it. Oh, that's got, that feels so good. Yes, I agree. So Drew, what's, what's next? What's next for you guys? Any yeah, big so plans like, in the works before you rack up? 
wrap up? Yeah, like I said, um, we just recently launched this new brand called Green Girl Media, which is our first ever um, interior subsidiary uh, in our agency for those lawn and landscape and those um, uh, green industry clients. And we just we've naturally felt a really good fit. Um, in that world. So we thought, you know, let's add really a layer of intentionality for those clients um, and try to build something special on there. And frankly, our, our long-term plan is to, to build a lot of those, you know, to find other industries that we're a really good fit for. The cleaning industry is high up on that list right now because we've got quite a few in that world um, right now that we're having really great success for as well. So who knows? In 2025, that might be our our other our newest subsidiary that happens as a, something for that cleaning world. Um, but Green Grow, I'm really excited about it. I love the people in the green space industry. They're just such a sweet fit. Um, they're so smart. They work very, very hard. They're some of the hardest hard. working people I've ever met. Um, but the, their strength does not naturally lie in the creative or like the technology side of things. So we're really able to go in and it's such a great relationship. And every, every agency relationship should be like this. Like, hey, let us do what we do best so you can continue to go and do what you do best. Um, and we're seeing that to be such a sweet fit in that green, green industry space. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Green Grow Media is coming soon. Awesome. I think that for us to recruit, um, we have the same fit for, for the green industry and also cleaning. And I think that's probably why cleaning and the green industry are great fits for your media company and also for recruiting is because they're really good at the trade. Mm -hmm. They know the trade, they oh, yeah. learned it, they did it for years. But then there's this little, these little side things that they don't have time for, they don't understand, um, or they don't want to learn. Because uh, we fit, a great fit for us as well is the lawn care, the green industry, and also the cleaning space, because they are some of the hardest working people you will ever meet. I mean, I cleaned houses yeah. and scrubbed toilets at the beginning as well. Uh, and I sucked. I was horrible. I was the worst cleaner ever. I was not efficient. <laughs> yeah. I deep cleaned everything. Um, so, uh, Drew, what, where can our viewers find more information about you? Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me anywhere online, um, any social platform at Mr. Drew Larison or just search uh, Drew Larison and larisonmedia.com is our website. Um, greengrowmedia.com will be coming soon as we launch this new brand. Um, but yeah, anywhere you search Larison, L-A-R-I-S-O-N, you'll be able to find us and you no know, talking back, uh, going back to like, I, I some content that I want to create from the Larissa media side of the green grow media side is like really funny video content of me trying to mow a yard or like install landscaping and just being awful at it. But like, and you know, say something of the lines of like, trust me, you don't want us doing landscaping, but you definitely want us to be doing your marketing, you know, or something like that. Cause it's so true. It's just a really good partnership. That's so a great, it's, it's that's fun. a great yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. I love it. So we'll make sure to put uh, Drew's contact information in the comments so that you guys can uh, find him better or faster. Uh, I want to thank you so much for listening and being a guest, Drew, on the Fearlessness podcast. Um, so that's a wrap for today's journey into the heart of fearlessness. Remember, every step we take moves us towards our own strengths and courage. Keep walking through those fires because on the other side is a version of yourself that's unstoppable. I'm Libby reminding you to embrace your fearlessness. Until next time, stay brave, stay bold, and keep pushing forward.